7.44. Now, in spite of Venezuela's prolonged economic disaster, really, that's what it is, President Nicolas Maduro won a second six-year term on May 20th, which in itself is suspicious. But there are strong doubts beyond those suspicions about the election's legitimacy. EU leaders are even calling for another vote under the threat of more sanctions. And meanwhile, Colombia's presidential election on Sunday sets up a battle between two candidates who represent completely different ends of the political spectrum and uh, perhaps has also shown how little voters trust establishment politicians uh, and the increasing polarisation of politics in the country. Um, We'll try and deal with both of them uh, in good uh, space here. Professor Inyaki Sargazazu from the Department of Political Science at Texas Tech University uh, joins us on the line to talk more about this. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. Well, it's our pleasure. And, I mean, in Venezuela, Maduro's victory, it had seemed inevitable in advance, not because of his wide popularity, but because of the grip that he has on the country. Can you tell us more about how he won this election? Yeah, well, um, this election cannot be considered a traditional free and fair election um, as we've had in other places or as we had uh, Sunday in, in Colombia. Um, the electoral authority, uh, which is uh, controlled by Maduro and his allies, um, called a snap election. Um, it gave a very short time frame to organize the election, to do anything um, regarding uh, all the procedures that are needed to be in place for an election to be held, um, with politicians of the opposition jailed or in exile, with part, main parties of the opposition um, barred from presenting candidates. Uh, so that's how Maduro managed to win this sham election, right? By forbidding anyone from running, by demobilizing the opposition, which uh, divided itself between those who think that they have to vote and those who thought that they could not participate in what was already a sham uh, called election in favor of Maduro. The pressure is mounting on him. I read in the last uh, couple of hours in Bloomberg, a panel of experts enlisted by the Organization of American States accusing the government in Venezuela under President Maduro of committing crimes against humanity, uh, setting up a possible investigation by the International Criminal Court, um, reports of murder, arbitrary detention, rape. How serious could that become? Could, could that snowball into a, a major problem for President Maduro? It, it can become a very um, significant problem. Um, on the one hand, um, that panel of experts that was convened by the OAS um, um, Secretary General, Luis Almagro, is um, presented this, this set of results where they, they suggest the possibility that indeed um, violation of human rights occurred in um, Venezuela during 2017. Um, if a country that signs the Treaty of Rome that belongs to the International Court um, so, uh, solicits, uh, based on this evidence, that a procedure is started, then that would trigger automatically an opening of an investigation um, against the Maduro regime. Um, this is very problematic, as experts say in Venezuela, what this will do um, most likely is that it will um, make it harder for any other people to uh, repress as strongly right now uh, members of the government, members of the armed forces uh, might uh, distance themselves from the repression that happened and in the light of 
maybe new protests by the opposition, they might decide not to uh, repress as hard, which could give momentum to the opposition to organize a new set of protests um, against the Maduro regime. That on top of the um, sanctions against politicians in the government uh, could snowball um, into a breakup of their regime. So global pressure, including from Europe, could could effectively break the camel's back here because th- th- this is uh, an economy that's already, uh, I mean, it seemed like it already had collapsed. Can we say on the verge of collapse? What what, what happens if... Oh, it- no, the economy has collapsed. The economy mm. is doing, um, it's terribly uh, problematic. Inflation is rampant. Uh, we're we're in, in hyperinflation and in, in things that we've never seen in Venezuela and that has been seen in very few countries in the world. Um, prices just skyrocket from one day to the next um, without anything stopping them. And the, the economic measures that the Maduro government uh, does just, just add fuel to the fire. Um, so what, what really needs to happen now is that those international pressures, those um, uh, internal pressures, those uh, sanctions together with the uh, criminal investigations uh, hopefully will break up the regime because up until now uh, they have had they have maintained a very strong grip on power. If that regime is broken up, though, what happens next? You've got these opposition leaders in exile or imprisoned, as you said before. Is there somebody or some people who can help rebuild that country? Well, I mean, the uh, the, the National Assembly, the Congress of Venezuela, is still the most um, identified legal uh, and recognized entity in the country, right? It's still formed from the members uh, that were elected in relatively fair and transparent elections in 2015, um, but they just haven't been able. They haven't been able to do anything because of several roadblocks and persecutions by the Maduro regime. If the regime falls, you presume that the National Assembly would assume its role, uh, would name a successor for the uh, for the upcoming months and hopefully new elections. Right. Well, let's also shift our focus to Colombia. Uh, this is a particularly intriguing situation as well. You, you've got um, a one-time M19 Marxist rebel, apparently a fan of Hugo Chavez, speaking of Venezuela, up against a, a, a right-wing candidate. It's like a battle of two extremists in Colombia for a runoff election there after Sunday's vote. Yes, indeed. The center, um, the center presented too many candidates, right? Um, uh, and... That that split their vote. Uh, the candidates on the center could have passed to a second round, and it could have been the right winger versus a centrist candidate, uh, which would have been a, a completely different election. But in, indeed, what you're presenting is the truth: is we have a right winger from Alvaro Rivas, former president uh, of Colombia Party, um, and you have an extreme leftist candidate with uh, associations with Chavismo. Um, and that's the, the current situation. A lot of people in the center feel very um, strongly against uh, um, Petro, because, the leftist candidate, because of the associations with Venezuela and because they see very closely the problems that Venezuela has currently. Um, there hasn't been any uh, decision by those candidates that lost as to whom to support. It would seem that both candidates are courting uh, Sergio Fajardo, who was the, the centrist that came in third with almost a, just 
it lost this it, it lost to the runner by like a one percent difference with uh the leftist petro so that's that's the candidate that is being courted right now um, to throw his support in favor of one of the two formulas well the, the left wing petro won 25 percent of the votes on on sunday but the right wing or conservative candidate ivan duque with 39 percent he must be the favorite isn't he now Yes, he he is technically the favorite just because he came first. Um, if n- people that voted for other options abstain from participating in the next round, Duque would win. But if Fajardo, who came in third with 23% of the vote, um, throws his support for Petro, then that would add that would make it um, a 48% uh, coalition, right? Right. So. It really depends on what Fajardo does in the com- uh, upcoming weeks, um, uh, whether he decides to support Petro or support Duque or just to stay away from the uh, polarization and le- let his voters um, free of mind. One of the very interesting things about Duque, apart from his conservative politics for the nation, but I think the world will be interested in what happens if he wins, because he said he wants to uh, change that peace agreement signed with FARC rebels in 2016 that that ended um, 50 years or so of civil conflict. Um, But he he claims he doesn't want to destroy the agreement. Uh, He just doesn't want, to directly quote him, to let the rebel kingpins make a laughing stock of our democracy and our laws. So how unstable could the situation become under him? I, I think right now his, um, that's his rhetoric. I've, I'm, I'm inclined to think that he'll tame himself. Um, most of the people, let's say, that support the centrist options um, are in favor of the peace agreement, and they just want uh, peace in the country. Um, so the, what I, from what I've learned... Um, Duque's uh, changes are more in line of tweaking a few things of the um, transitional justice agreement uh, and tweaking a few things of the political participation of the former guerrilla organizations in politics. Um, I don't think these are necessarily necessarily going to be that problematic. Um, I don't think they want to uh, break the agreement so that uh, guerrilla war and the civil war re- re- resumes. Right. How important could the impact of non-voters be, though, in the runoff election? I've seen quotes from ordinary uh, Colombians suggesting that you know they, they can't bring themselves to vote for for either of these men, Petro or Duque, and and therefore that leaves it in the hands of uh, the extremist voters, perhaps. Yeah, indeed. Um, if those in the center decide to abstain, um, then Duca would uh, would win. If you consider that uh, the current relational forces remains the same, um, if those in the center decide to um, vote blank, then you could have a scenario where there's more blank votes than um, for either candidate, um, which could be problematic. When will this actually be decided by? There's uh, three weeks, if I'm not mistaken, from Sunday's election to the runoff. Um, so it's within less than a month it should be decided. Right. I must say, these uh, all these runoff elections, it does become very confusing. <laughs> Professor Sarkozazu, thank you very much for joining us today. It does.
It does, but it does provide a better scenario than when you have only one round, like Mexico, and then anything can happen, and someone can win with 30% of the vote in a national election. So right. no. it provides some control. Understood. And thank you for joining us today. Yeah, no, thank you for inviting me.